Let's 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 do your thing. Yeah, if you need any intro, you want to record the intro. Uh, I'll do that later. Okay. When I go and cut the show up. Uh, so so like where would I be coming in like dot 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 dot. Uh, like I guess I'll just pretty much just stop talking. We'll just give it like five seconds of like dead air. Okay. Uh, and then you just kind of jump hard, in. Hard clap. Yeah and yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> just like that. I was a little off. Welcome to the Zach Sweets Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Sweets. Well, typically I am. Today on ZSP, we have John Bless as today's guest host to interview yours truly. John is a good friend who I've had plenty of deep conversations with, and that's why I thought my thoughtful friend would be perfect to interview me for this episode. Now, this is the season finale, and I literally just started a show with my own name on it. So, who is this guy? Find out on ZSP. So, Zach, this is an awesome opportunity. Thank you so much for inviting me to be the, the guest host of the Zach Sweets podcast. I'm sure that I'm breaking some podcast host rule, right? You don't just, like, hand over the reins for your show quickly. I don't, I don't know. I don't Maybe know. not. I think you're making it up as you go along. That's, I, that's what I found out this whole thing has been about. Yeah. You just do something, and hopefully it catches on. At the end of the day, hopefully you just have fun. So, I'll, full disclosure, I've not heard all the episodes. I was waiting for you to say I've not listened to a single show. Not, no, I, I have listened to a couple. Uh, a couple great conversations. One with Steven and with Jalen. Uh, those are two that I remember kind of most vividly. But, uh, yeah, th- those, not, not, not all of them. So, this is actually kind of an interesting opportunity to be on the show because I feel like I really am a guest host. I don't really know. Yeah, yeah, no, that's everything. So, um, this is, this is a lot of, like kind of fun for me really because I don't know how to really talk about myself right like I'm on here and I'm talking about everything that's going on but I was like who if I'm listening to this podcast and I don't know me or I like just know of me I'm like who the hell is this guy well you do have a lot of talk a lot of things to talk about I mean that's let's be fair you're you got a, a, an eclectic background you've done a lot in your life and I think that's probably why you wanted to start this show uh, this podcast is an great outlet, conversations. To, uh, outlet for great conversations with yeah. great people that you've made connections with over an interesting career, interesting childhood, interesting life. And uh, Man, it's um, it's been a lot of fun just learning, um, you know, just being in positions to learn uh, and, and just trying to just soak all that up. Um, and, you know, before we get too far into it, um, how do I know you, John? Yeah, we, we've known each other, is it for 10 years now? Oh. I mean, that's not, nothing wrong with that. Is it's just 10? time. Yeah, it's 10 years. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, was it, gosh, 2000, you attended the 2011 session of Missouri Voice Day? 10. 2010. And, yeah. But you were on staff in 2011. At 2011, yeah. Yeah, and I think that was probably the first time we made acquaintances was in 2011. Yes. And then, so for for those listening, we were both staff members at uh, uh, a youth leadership program called Missouri Boy State. We'll probably be a whole segment, I think. There really could just be a whole episode on it. But yeah, no, 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 we could absolutely talk about it. Um, it, 
changed kind of my my course not like i was headed for anything or i'm heading for anything now but it really just impacted uh you know the years after going as you know just a participant so yeah you you were you're being humble about your experience you were the governor of missouri boy state you were the the participant. I don't know if I've ever described Boy State on the show, but Boy State is where we got. Typically, we have like a thousand guys from all across the state of Missouri come in, and they create a government from the municipal level up. Literally, every well, not literally, but just about as close to mirroring real life position. A working democracy. It's a working, you know, mock democracy, and um, at the tip, at the very top of it, they and the apex for the week is electing their governor. Um, so the it's apex really of the week. I mean, people do other things there too, like their athletic directors. Things, okay. things, <laughs> things. I was at. No, we have a school of commerce. Like it's not just a pol- yeah. political school, right? Like I mean, there we have people that open up businesses and get licenses and pay taxes, um, and, and the we have attorneys, people that go to law school and pass the Missouri Boy State Bar while, while they're there. I've had people that have told me that they wanted to be, you know, that, that they thought they wanted to be like an electrician. Uh, there's actually one person that we know who thought they wanted to be an electrician. They went to Boy State uh, and they were an attorney and they were and now they're an attorney in real life. But like they found something they were really interested in, or in the flip side, people are like, yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> so. It's definitely a launching off point for, I think a lot of people and, and you and I definitely fit that mold of, of it being a really galvanizing experience in our lives. I think we both credit a lot of positive relationships that started there and kind of continued from there. So, you know, that's definitely, I think, how we, we know each other. So leading into this whole conversation, it's 10 years of serving, you know, other people yeah. and serving this this program. So we've gotten a chance to know each other in, in a way that I think most people don't get to know each other, which is kind of, you know, at a, at a place where everyone's putting their best foot forward and everyone is, you know, taking this, this week off to, to serve this program that gave a lot to them. So uh, I feel like I know you really well, but I have some, some questions that I feel like I want to get to that kind of uncover something about everyone, which is, you know, who sent you questions? Because I think right. right now, you know, we, we, we had a little prep a couple nights ago around a fire at my place, and I, I asked you this question, who sent you? And uh, as, it, as it related to uh, an aspiration you, that you had, and it, I think it gave you a really thoughtful response. And I kind of want to structure some of our conversation around this who sent you mantra, because I feel like, you know, you are a person that has a very unique background that can rely on a lot of relationships. Uh, from your past and in your present to kind of propel you into a, a place that you want to go to. And I kind of want to know what's motivating you, who's sending you, you know, and, uh, you know, what about your past, your present and your future is, is motivating you right now. So, um, you know, I, 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 with that being said, I kind of wanted to just jump into, you know, talk about you know, your childhood, talk about like your, your favorite memory uh, from growing up in Belton, Missouri. There are a few things that uh, I'm learning. So I'm not even, you know, I'm not even quite 30 yet. Um, I have a couple years left in my 20s. Um, But 
I'm learning that there are things that no matter how old you are, you you enjoy, if you enjoyed it when you're a kid, um, you're when you do it, it takes you back, right? It takes you right back to like a fond like moment in time when you were a kid. And for me, that was just riding my bike around, um, I guess what is uh, East Belton, and um, you were a bike rider. Oh man, all over the how place. Many, how many miles do you think you'd log per day? <laughs> When you were like what time of the kid. year? What like time of the kid, year? Summer. Twelve years old. Summertime. Nothing to Man. do but ride your bike. I Me was, and my brothers were we were bike riders too. I was I was much farther than I needed to be. Um, oh man, I think I probably logged a minimum of like 15 miles. Yeah, were you, you a know? free range kid? Could you kind of like kind of kind of yeah, kind of yeah. I mean, my, my mom trusted me not to you know be out there doing dumb stuff mainly because I was afraid to get my you know what whooped. But um, understanding the parameters of what you can and cannot do, Fair. you can get you can get. I look also I'm the youngest, so mm-hmm. I like to say like you get away with a little you, bit. Well, it's not that you get away, and that's the you see that's the that's how I know you're not the youngest. That's <laughs> it's because, middle child there's a middle child syndrome, <laughs> because for those of us that are the youngest, we know that we watch the older children like mess up. That maybe they messed up a lot, maybe they didn't mess up at all, but we we got a little bit of game before it's our turn to go and uh, you know go out and do that. Ride your bike wherever you want, but don't go too far. But we all know that you're going too far, but just don't act up. Uh, I might be telling on myself right now, but I, I rode my bike everywhere. I love it. What's the rest of your, your family, brothers and sisters? I just, I just have uh, an older sister, uh, about four years older than I am. Um, and so it's, it's her and I, I always wanted more siblings, but at the same time, I love having that one person that I'm like, Hey, you know exactly where I'm coming from. Like we, we came from similar, you know, this same circumstance. We might have different realities, but like, Am I crazy? When we call each other all the like all the time, like, hey, am I crazy for this? Just I just want to make sure that. <laughs> Have you always had a really close relationship with your sister, or has that been something that's like ebbed and flowed with as some sibling relationships? There? It's always been. Uh, it's always been great. It was like we would fight. I just remember this as kids. We we would fight about something stupid, you know, whatever kids fight about, um, and then five minutes later, it'd be like. You want to play Mario Kart? Like it was like you know you you fight you're you're upset. At four, when she's four years older, she's not like a physical equal to you. She she will always be able to kind of beat you up. Always. So so like you know she's got to get over it fast. So he, he, otherwise but, she's just so, a bully. So you know like look, uh, which some some sisters are. I, my <laughs> sister absolutely when she wanted to be could be. I will say the first time I ever used the B word, oh. I ever I used it on my sister. As the last time I used the B word <laughs> on anybody um, like that because. Sometimes it's the first time, right? Oh, the first my, time and the last. Time. I remember. I still remember the look in her eyes. Um, so I, I learned my lesson. I don't remember how old I was. I was like probably I don't know eleven, twelve. I don't know. Old enough to know uh, better. Uh, old enough to know better, but I don't know what she did to me. But she didn't deserve it, and I totally deserve what I got. Like a sixteen-year-old <laughs> angry. Oh girl my sister! My sister was it. like my sister held. <laughs> my sister held, and I hope I'm not embarrassing her by telling all her business. But like she held uh, weightlifting records at school, 
uh, at our high school. And so, like, I remember this distinctly. We were at Target, and I don't know. We're just, I'm messing with her. It's my mom. She's walking ahead of us. And I don't know what my sister did, but my sister hit me. Now, again, my sisters are holding records, okay? <laughs> like, and it hurt. So I hit her back. And my mom, I don't know, it's the mom's sixth sense, without even looking, like, what? Like, turned and hit me. And I was like, what was that for? And she's like, you don't hit girls. And was like, she hit me first. And it's like, you know, this was, it was wonderful that I learned these lessons from such a wonderful elder sibling. But it's a lot two, of respect. A lot of respect. Two strong women. Two strong, Zach yeah. Lessons. You know, I had to learn Zach it. In the that's, middle. that's okay. Um, but, like, it. <sighs> You know, my sister can still beat me up. I still flinch whenever she lunges at me. As you should. I'm just saying. As a little sibling. And you don't have, uh, you know, like, I, I, I'm both a younger sibling and an older sibling as a middle child. So, and I have two younger siblings. So I kind of have an older brother, I think, outlook on life. Not a, not a younger, you know, younger sibling outlook on life. But it does shape you, having people that look out for you. So, mm-hmm. so tell me about your mom. Um, you know, it's it's a story of uh, really a single parent, but not the whole time, uh, but really an effort, right? Um, so whenever it beca- became um, such, it's you know, mom working a single job, uh, but also she had to deal with um, you know rare like disease um, that caused a lot of pain uh, throughout her body. Uh, she also has f- uh, fibromyalgia and everything, and so um, just kind of just dealing with the daily struggles of being a single black mother in America uh, and so I think I said on the previous episode I didn't know what it meant to be a feminist um, or what it meant to slap on the uh, label of being a feminist because I grew up watching my mom keep all this together right when she was underemployed meaning that she wasn't getting paid what she was uh, really worth of being paid a livable wage um, or being uh, unemployed um, to be in stable on a you know a stable situation I just saw somebody that was highly capable right and that's like throughout my family women uh, being highly capable I don't say that as like a ooh ah this is you know a brand new thing uh, I'm just saying I kind of grew up just kind of that was a fact of life because it's, that's how we were getting by so my mom um that's the huge reason why i made it to college right um you know she spent some when she was when she was applying she was unemployed when i was in high school some of the kind of rough times she was um looking for scholarships for me uh we fought so much like a high schooler and their parent would we fought so much when mom's like you need to do this i'm like oh another one or like i'm not going to get this or what have you we eventually headed down to a science where eventually i got enough scholarships to pay for school right to go not just pay for school but like go to um the university of missouri so um you feel like that's your greatest accomplishment from your childhood getting into to college going to going to mizzou where does that like like how do you like place that in terms of like what you look back on and because you you know being elected governor Missouri Boys State that's no small feat um, you know I, I know that you had high school accomplishments as well like where where does that place in terms of when you look back on the strongest most impactful memories from that kind of you know late adolescence you know late childhood like what do you what do you think back on as like the greatest memory. I- that's really hard to say. Um, 
because I think my greatest quote unquote accomplishment in my adolescence would have been um, making it to college, right? But because uh, I didn't know, I, I, I had a friend of mine. Where say, else did you get in other than Mizzou? I, I didn't even apply anywhere else. And did you, you wanted to go to Mizzou? Well, there's there's a couple things. Number one, um, the a lot of the scholarships that I had required me to go to an in-state public university. And so for me, uh, with what that meant, um, there were a handful of schools um, that weren't um, were, were the size that I would be okay with. But also there was uh, only two schools really um, that were in a place um, in a distance away from home. I wanted to, the closest place I wanted to be was St. Louis, right? I didn't even really want to be in St. I wanted to get out of the state because I wanted to go and experience something else. Um, so how'd you end up in Columbia? What, what drew you to University of Missouri? Well, besides having to go to, you know, yeah. required a uh, place for these scholarships, I went to their campus and I got on campus and my mom, uh, my grandmother took me and I got on campus and they, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but when we parked and we we're about to go into the administrative building, Jesse Hall, uh, that's one of her classes got out. And so the whole campus was just flooded and I was scared for half a second. Like I was, I froze. Um, then we went on in and we went through campus and I was like, this is, I, I don't even need to apply anywhere else. Like, cause I was, I, I was actually planning on home. applying. It felt like home, and it's so cheesy and corny, um, but uh, it it felt like where I, there's there's things where I felt I felt like I'm exactly where I needed to be, um, and um, I would Did say you know my no. Did you, no. Were you mostly in Belton? The whole, my whole life. Yeah, my mom. Same, um, same house mostly? Mostly my mom like made that a point, right? She was like, she wanted my sister and I to like go through, like I we knew the superintendent. Not because like anything was going on or there were any issues, but well, because my mom was a parent who was engaged, but also because we were there the entire time and he was there most of the time, right? So, um, yeah, I was I was very much, I grew up in Belton. I, so that's where I'm like from. Belton... Belton is home. Do you feel like Columbia is home when you're, it is. When you're in Columbia? Oh gosh, yeah. Well, I spent I spent a few years living in Columbia after I had graduated, uh, when I was working uh, down in Jeff City. So it it's home. Um, is Jeff City home? Jeff City is a great place to um, make a stop, see some folks, do some work. It's it's a it's a, that was a work stop. That was a professional stop. You it's didn't feel it's a work there. stop. Uh, never. Uh, home was the, the the legislative the capitol building but that was because of the people that i knew at the time working there uh and the relationships i had at that point in time other than that like it was it was just a work stop so i'm excited to dig in some of the, the yeah, legislative yeah. steps that was just but i do want to jump back and yeah. say you know i think my biggest accomplishment um if i'm going back to adolescent zach was boy state and being elected governor because i say that mainly because everything since then has uh, kind of just accidentally stumbled, trickled its way to um, an opportunity that I can take it, take advantage of, and really dig in and kind of just like from that point. Yeah, from that point, like we tell the guys, what we tell the guys at Boy State, you get out of it what you put into it. So a lot of opportunities for me just to put a lot of energy and learn a lot from, and it's like a, it's it, it, a lot of dominoes. Like if that domino didn't hit, uh, if it weren't for this domino, this domino down here wouldn't have hit, which wouldn't have gotten me. Truly a, a week to shape a lifetime. I hate to be a walking billboard. <laughs> 
I hate to be a walking billboard. If any voice singers are listening, that was a paid endorsement. Pa- uh, yeah. Really? That was paid? Well, I mean, it's... That's news to this podcast. Yeah. John, see, John, you you co- you you guest host one one episode and there's already, like, endorsements. You gotta monetize, man. Oh, man. You have to monetize. I got things to learn. So, so Zach, tell me about your week at Boy State then. What was... Uh, uh, do you remember any any relationship specifically that kind of you know helped kind of put you in the place that you you ended up being, which was governor? No, because well, not not in terms of at the program. It is kind of a blur. It is one hundred percent a blur. That's why I'm like I'm trying to go back. The one thing I do remember, the one thing I do remember, and I can't say is you don't keep up with anyone by chance from that week. Oh, I absolutely do. Okay, well, like any, yeah, anyone, anyone but but people? on our way there, my mom. Speaking of my mom earlier, she. Um, it was raining. We were driving out to Warrensburg, and she was telling me, "If you want to be governor, you need to you need to read that manual. They sent this <laughs> thick manual, you know." And I was like, "I know PDF kids, yeah, just like a real, yeah, like a real oh my gosh, so much paper." Um, and so I'm like sitting there, like trying to read through this manual, but kind of like half sleep, drive like as we drive into Warrensburg, and she's like, "If you want to do this, you need to do this." And like that's where my mom's always kind of been great, and like really annoying at the same time <laughs> she's like if you're gonna do this like don't don't half-ass it if you're gonna do it you need to do this and don't waste this opportunity because somebody else could have this and it's like all right all right i got it <laughs> um so that really set the tone for me at boys state which really you know kind of went on but um you know, there was a guy that is a good friend of mine actually uh we we did an interview uh for the zsp uh, earlier stuart pence and we uh stuart pence and we talked about the difference that he was seeing in uh corona response in germany versus being here he's originally from joplin so and a few other people that i keep up with but he you know he's one of the main people that comes to mind uh, and a lot of folks uh on the staff side obviously you keep in touch with mm-hmm. do you uh uh use it as uh, an example of kind of how you can or what you can accomplish if you were to apply yourself you know in in you know, political avenue at all or do you feel like it's like not an appropriate benchmark it was just like a good no, experience for you it, to have it, it was a good experience for me in the sense that um I felt like you know that movie with you and McGregor Big Fish mm-hmm. uh that's really really what it felt like uh, getting to Boys State, um, where I, I just was like, you know, I feel like I'm doing well because I'm of where I'm at. I don't know that I'm doing well because like I'm I'm doing well and I'm capable. Um, so and Boys State was one of those like, oh, you you might be capable in some some degree. Um, and and I think really what that was was be capable of, um, you know, knowing seeing seeing a, a board in front of one. And then figuring out if things are going to line out, this is the best course of action. And, then, you know, it just so happened to work for me. Uh, I couldn't sit here and tell you why, but it just so happened to work. Um, and I think getting to the other side, um, you know, I'll never forget that night. So at the end of the week, you get uh, elected governor, you get sworn in, and you give a big speech. Um, and, yeah. And um, that, must I, been a, that must have been pretty intimidating. It would be intimidating for me, I feel. I... I loved sure it. You did well. I loved it. Uh, I don't know that I did well, um, but here's here's a few things that are, and I say I loved it for a few reasons because like what I remember is first off the director at the time, uh, uh, you know, introduced me, shook my hand, leaned in, and he said, "Take a moment, take it in, 
and then go. And like, you know, it, it's one of those, it was one of those like, uh, it was, it was one of those almost movie-like moments, right? Yeah. Uh, and then I stand up to a podium with, uh, you know, these these guys who have elected me uh, at, at Boy State. And I, t- I take a, a breath. I take it in. And I go. And I don't, I don't remember what uh, everything I said, but I remember the end kind of invoking the, uh, you know, the, the past, the torch, you know, invoking Teddy Kennedy at the um, 2000, I believe, eight convention. And, um, and it was just cool, but it was a, it was a moment for me. I loved it because I was like, I can handle this. I can handle this. Um, and better yet, um, there's people that believe that I can handle this. And, and I know it's just, it's just boy state. At, at the end of the day, it's, it's all, it was a group of high schoolers for a week together. Like, I don't know this guy. He seems but, like the best. But you, I mean, you, but, you accomplished like, this. But I accomplished goal. this goal, and I was like, hey, what else can I go and accomplish now? I can handle I this. I think a lot of people, a lot more people have an awareness of Boy State from the Apple documentary. It's so good, though. Have it's, you seen it? I actually have. I've only seen, like, like portions of it. People, people tell me that they think it's intense, and I guess it could be. But also, you have to make a documentary interesting, you've, right? You've seen it? It's, it's great. I love yeah. it. I mean, I think I've, like, not watched it for, I don't know, I Maybe a couple it, I should. You should. I think because it gets it close to what I we do. The program of Missouri Boy State, but it gets it close. It gets close to what we do, right? Not in the sense of um, what we, from the staff perspective. I think it does a really good job of, from the citizen perspective, of like what, how See, it can what I was be engaging. Ask you was was because I don't what, think I saw hardly any staff people in the story at all. Yeah, I, mean, I think what, it was primarily I, citizens. The, and from what I did watch, is uh, it, it looks as as if the filmmakers made an attempt to show how you can kind of create like a bully pulpit really easily. Yeah. You can create um, a really emotional response to issues really easily. Yeah. And it's a kind of a proving ground for that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like Boy State taught you any political lessons that you would, you know, use in, in a real political campaign or potentially like, you know, that I made a mistake there. I wouldn't do that. In a, in a in a political campaign, let's say for House Rep or Jackson County Legislator. <laughs> um, I don't think so. I wouldn't. I guess the only thing I would take away from it is just like just being engaged, truly engaged with people, right? And truly meeting people in the moment. Don't have anything else on your mind, because uh, if you go in with uh, something on your mind that you want from somebody, you're not going to connect with that person. See, the program right? taught me so much about self awareness. Well, okay, exactly. yeah, what yeah. You, what you're talking about, it's like, man, I sounded like a jackass just now. You know, like, mm-hmm. like <laughs> that's because you get that immediate response from people at like a mock ballot box. Yeah, where you're like I actually was kind of sounding like a jerk just now. Um, and I think it humbled me. The whole experience was very humbling. And, and, and for doubt. you, like, you know, getting elected governor, like, cause I, I did, you know, I really well at the program too, didn't get elected governor. And there was a lot of humbling experiences cause I didn't, you know, succeed everywhere, but I kind of wanted to see what you Don't worry. Like. We'll get to my failures. Yeah. 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 Ooh. College failures. failures. The college years. 
Come. What do you What do you think? So you said Mizzou is home, but you want to reflect on some failures of the Collegers. So so let's. I didn't say I want to. I just said we haven't gotten to. Well, you know, it's a segue from 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 Boy State to, to the Collegers, and you you were a political science major, were you not? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. The University of Missouri Columbia. Lo- I loved it. Um, that it. Did you Did you do anything else? Just political science. I should have. I, should have. I really should have. Um, what else? What's your regret from your studies? If I could do it again. You still got to walk out in four years, you know. Let's, let's well, no, I mean, I had to walk out in four years because the money was up. Like, look, I was on a, I was on a schedule. So what, uh, what, outside of know. political science, what would it have been? Um, I probably would have double majored, uh, and I would have forced my way through some sort of uh, business, um, which I know was, like, one and the same. I actually had a guy, freshman year, I was friends with. He was in political science. Um, and Is that based on your kind of current position? Based on my current position, yes. You but I know it's not wholly... Uh, I actually, and I say business more on the finance side i would have like been very directional about it or not directional but very intentional about it um and, and done business finance uh with the political science um i think there's definitely is a space for somebody that has both of those understandings um but uh i got down to jeff city and um no one was talking about alexis de tocqueville no one was talking about principles of democracy it was about the quote unquote action, but really what I saw what was going on was the 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 action of politics, not necessarily the many, government. I don't mean to cut in, but how much of being in politics at like you know, because you graduated twenty two, right? You you know, you, yeah, you did guess. some political internships and you worked for some people through college and did you work yeah. in any campaigns in college? Yeah, yeah. Actually that's what I meant about the dominoes, right? So um, channel four Kansas City uh, ran a quick little story on me being elected for Boy State. Uh, then Representative Holzman reached out um, to, to my high school um, and was like, hey, I don't know if anybody's reached out, but like invite you down to Jeff City. We'll have a little like little proclamation made up for you. That's great. I thought that that was it. I thought it was cool. It was really nice of him, but I thought that was it after going down there. Um, and uh, he reaches out to me my after my freshman year of college. It's like, hey, I'm running for Senate. You want to work on the campaign? I wanted to work on a campaign. I didn't have any knowledge of how to do that. And here's this opportunity. Um, and then after we run that campaign, uh, he wins. And uh, later, his chief of staff was moving on, which opened up a position in his office right when I was graduating. It, it just, like I said, dominoes, just right opportunities, you know, put in work. And then there's another opportunity behind it. Do you, do you feel like hard work built some of that luck, some of that good fortune? Or do you really think... Man, I'm just. I mean, I'm are really, you just really thankful? Like, I'm, I'm so thankful, it is, right? Like, I'm it so is a lucky. Difficult career to break into, right? Like, I'm so. Well, let me just say that I'm so lucky to do what I really enjoy doing to an extent, right? I'm not doing uh, the exact thing, but like, I, I enjoy. I enjoy what I do now. I've enjoyed what I have How done. Long are you the senators, do you know, uh, two years when I was in his office for four, um, and uh, going in, looking at all this, like. There's an element that, yeah, hard work uh, is seen, uh, hopefully, um, in my instance, that has been, but it's not, I know that it's not always seen. Um, but I just go back to like the whole mentality that my mom really instilled in, in me, which is like, if you, you got an opportunity, don't waste it. Like, you gotta, you gotta how take long, advantage of that. How long were you in Jeff City total? Uh, it, it. So I was, um, 
I served uh, four sessions, three and a half years. Uh, is that how that worked out? Yeah. Um, so you're about 25? You're about 25 Yeah, now? yeah. What, what's your favorite relationship from Jeff City? Oh, you're going to get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> so I had two, I had two people on the show um, that, that I work with that I absolutely uh, love. I, man, I, I hate to keep plugging my show, but, uh, you know, my pilot episode, uh, DJ Donny T, uh, Don Thalhuber, is probably my favorite relationship from Jeff City because uh, he's a really smart Music person. Music and basketball guy, right? Music and basketball guy. You met him. We, we went yeah. to a show. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Worlds, worlds connecting and colliding. Um, you know, he's a great dude. Um, I actually, so that's the third episode. I, I did listen to the inaugural episode. Okay. So, okay. so I guess that's, uh, I think I've had a fourth. I feel like the, you had a, a lady on and there's been times, but a couple times. Yeah. Maybe it'll come to me. I'm sorry. Well, welcome to there's episode five. Well, welcome to episode five, John. <laughs> uh, I'm catching up, man. <laughs> there's a dozen. You, you got, you got a little work to do, So, but no, definitely Don, because here's what I'll say is if you seek out mentorships you'll find them if you're earnest about it right if you're just trying to get get up some ladder then people are going to like sniff that out if you're like truly want to learn um like this man helped me there's a moment and it was so dorky but i felt so i felt like i was in the right place um my jason needed a needed a amendment on the floor and uh, you know (sighs) Not everybody knows how to write an amendment. I don't know why. It's actually fairly easy. You can handwrite these. But a lot of electives will turn and just rely on the staff to talk to the uh, Senate research people to type it up. And yeah, they're going to do it right. Absolutely. Um, But you can also, like, if you need to do it on the fly, like, if you're trying to gunk up some motion or movement, like, I think what was happening in this situation, you need it quick. And so I was like, hey, this is what we need to do. I need to handwrite this. Um, This is what I think I need to do. And Dom was like, all right, start writing it out. Nope, do that. And he walked me through there. And I was like, okay. Uh, he's like, now you know how to. Uh, and as I was writing, another person, Shappy, was like, "Come here, Padawan." You know, it's like one of those <laughs> dorky moments. But I learned. They taught show me you how to filibuster. They they taught me how to handwrite an amendment, which I thought was really cool. Um, so yeah, that that's my he's my, that's my favorite relationship that I developed down there. So uh, mentorship. Do you feel like you have uh, a number of mentorships in your life oh, that man. meant a lot to you? It's it's hard for me to like be like, you know, person X is my mentor, right? Um, so I go back to be being the youngest uh, in my family. I'm actually the youngest um, on one side of my family, and the second youngest by a year in my other side of my family. So I'm like, I know nothing more growing up than being the youngest person around, and so I like really gravitated towards old heads. Um, and be that because I'm being a nosy kid or like I think they're entertaining what have you like I always kind of gravitated towards people um, that would that didn't care that I was around but also like would teach me um, and because I hated you know there was a time in my my developmental youth that I was the loudest one in the room you know uh, Kendrick Lamar talks about a loudest one in the room that's a complex um, and just talking about you know just chill <laughs> you ain't got a lot to kick it um, and like I had to learn that by being around old, older people right um, so like the I got used to spending time 
um, and with people who were just like a step ahead of me or two steps ahead of me, ten steps, spending time with Mentorship them. Mentorship brings so, that humility, doesn't it? It has it, to, right? It's like, why else are you seeking it out? Why else is it is it important if it's not going to make you a little bit more humble, a little bit more well-rounded, right? So, um, speaking of, so kind of transitioning to the flip side of that, do you feel like you have like a, a, a mentee or someone that you've you've helped along the way at this point can you say that i feel like that is is a, an important thing to reflect on as as a teacher you know I, I i feel like i get an opportunity to do that but i i, I understand that most people actually don't have those opportunities to work with yeah. younger people or have those impactful moments where they they can be that that mentor to someone else so yeah do you do you feel like you have that experience that's well? real that's real um i do have uh, one person that uh, I really want to like make my mentee um, uh, is uh, hopefully that doesn't sound weird, but like I see this person having a lot of promise in their own right. They don't need me, um, but if I can help make their 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 path easier, I I want to help them. I think they're a great person. To answer your question, no, I I don't. But th- I think in place of that, I know that my. I know that my focus has been making sure that um, the people that I know that are good quality people that are capable people are being brought along as well. Right. Like, so my whole thought is like, I want to be a part of this. A, you know, so we can get better outcomes But B, I want to be a part of this uh, to like kind of kick open a door. You know, um, our, our generation, we have a couple of different uh, paths we can take. Some of them are a little bit more um, um, self-aggrandizing and self-serving. Um, but I think one path and the opportunity that we look at right now being, uh, what, 16 months, 15 months into a pandemic is an r- opportunity to really do some work uh, and get some real results out of this. So um, I-, I hope in place of having a mentee, I hope that I'm able to help bring bring some folks along who's willing to do some work um, and bring other people along because uh, it is everything that we're going towards. It, it takes a lot of hands. What do you think we're going towards? I don't know. What do you, what do you want us to go towards? What do you, what, and, and what, what is us define some terms there for me? I, I, I feel like you and I have always connected because we, we can a, uh, transition from an NBA basketball metaphor to an existential conversation about right. life and <laughs> reality pretty seamlessly. But, uh, I want to know what that really means to you. Cause I think it's an important, uh, facet of who you are as a human. So, so like who is the us, who is the we, and what are we moving towards? Yeah. And what is, what does that mean to you? Man. Um, first off, us are the experimented people underground. That came, <laughs> that Jordan Peele made a whole movie about us. I uh, should watch it. Uh, no. Oh gosh. That's so creepy. I love that movie. Um, no, I, it, for me, people are paramount full stop. People are paramount. Their well-being, their their access to, to quality existence. Um, people are paramount. That's 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 step one. Uh, so if we're evaluating something. Um, how, how does that line up to the reality? So the thing for me is us is literally just the collective royal we. You can never speak for the royal we, um, but there are certain things that I know we can all agree on are things that we all need, 
right? Or that's it's food, shelter, so on and so forth. Otherwise, we that wouldn't be something that you monetize, right? And make people go to a bank and get a loan shelter. for, right? And exactly. healthcare. And health. Oh my goodness, right? Um, and so, um, so there are. I like the man. So let me explain something. I need, I feel like I do need to explain this. On this podcast, I've said I've said do not mention um, the president from the eighties um, because I feel like his <laughs> his his mantra, his mindset, uh, the worst. Uh, you know, the worst thing ever said about, uh, from government is I'm here to help. Uh, and people bought that. Um, um, and I think that's wrong. I think government... He was a talented actor. He was. Um, I, you know, I think government is one of our, our better inventions in, in really administrating our collective, you know, uh, needs. We all need a road to get to where we're going. That's a collective need. And so I think what COVID has done is got us to a point where we were like where if we didn't redefine some collective needs let's say for sure we i think we sort of reappreciated what uh, some of the collective needs of of a solid healthcare infrastructure would mean to us or uh, i think when you're also looking at how much it costs to give a whole bunch of people a lot of direct payments to their bank accounts it reprioritizes a lot of government projects well Mm -hmm. like I'd much rather just have the cash mm-hmm. if it's going to cost that much. Yeah. And it's a weird kind of thought process, I think, that like a lot of Americans saw what a policy actually costs and then saw what it could actually give them in their bank account. Like and so, a direct payment. And that's so what not we can I get think a to. lot of Americans know is going to be around forever, right? Right, it right. And this is this is when I say this is an opportunity to, for us to um, rethink um, our outcomes. Um, or at least how we're accepting our outcomes if they are acceptable to begin with. Um, Because there have been a lot of things that have personally impacted each of us, that have impacted our work, that have impacted us by, you know, government all of a sudden has the the wherewithal within itself to give people money. Um, You know, I know somebody who said that uh, they're, they're, their dad was upset about how much they had to pay in taxes um and you know they their response was less taxes i think i talked about this before was like well you you probably honestly just need to see what you're getting for it and i agree you're not getting you're what you're getting i i too want a refund (laughs) you know what i mean like i i don't always see the value in what, what we're getting and i think that's something that we could definitely uh rethink and i think that's what a lot of some of these uh social movements as well um talking about since last last summer and the social justice summer that we had um you know people were like saying hey wait a minute these outcomes are not anywhere near what we what we want but at the same time we're still like putting in financially that say if we're stakeholders let's reprioritize something um and i think it's okay to break paradigms right like that's that's what i think that this moment really has done is it's broken a lot of paradigms for us um so let's let's find let's build a new one that's that's a little bit not a little bit but a lot more intentional in its outcomes so let's talk the the summer and the year that was so just about an hour ago you you did i think set me up for a little bit of failure on the podcast today by feeding me lc's barbecue it's been a, i know it's been a sleepy interviewer so it's far fun. i haven't really had to get a word in edgewise but i'm, I'm sorry okay you just let me ramble i'm gonna cut a lot it's of this so it's much fun. digestion it's man happening, it feels good I'm honestly mm, it tastes it's, wonderful. it's delicious though the burn-ins were so good yeah. the baked baked beans i'm telling you every better. time man 
every time. It's it was fantastic. It was a really good. Never place. upset. So, uh, odd segue, but um, the uh, the year that was the coronavirus. What do you feel like you you learned most about yourself and what you wanted in your life from being in lockdown? Man, there's just a lot. Um, so there's just a lot over COVID. Uh, I think for a lot of people and for a lot of different ways. And I know for me, in a way that um, uh, was not necessarily directly COVID related, but um, I think I really learned how to um, value myself over COVID. Cause I had to spend every day by myself. <laughs> self care, a lot of self love. I, I I had to spend every moment with inside of this brain, um, inside of this body. So I really, it was a lot of. It was a year of learning how to uh, accept and love myself in, in every facet, right? Like if I want to, if I want to be lazy after, you know, I've worked out or whatever. And it's like, no, I'm just going to sit here and play 2k. It's like, hey, you know what? You're at the gym for an hour and a half. That's okay. Play 2k, Zach. That's fine. Don't, don't guilt yourself about that. Um, but like, if there's other things, you know, if I just like, you know, I just put in a lot of work. I don't want to do anything today. I'm not guilty myself about that. Um, but like just learning all the different ways, you know, mental health, is something that again I think COVID has like shifted paradigms on where I think it's folks are being uh, like a little bit more of mental health in the COVID era is is at a, a, a weird all time high I do feel like there's this omnipresent common conversation about right. um, mental health that it, while important I think can put a little undue emphasis on on everyone like sharing mental like I think there's do you feel like that that's a trend that like kind of the privacy about your mental health like so people are sort of encouraging you to have those conversation and being open but but I I always felt that mental health in those conversations should be kind of shared very conservatively with with friends and family but but what do you feel about that do you feel like it's all it's all personal right yeah it's all it's all personal uh, and therefore it's all relative um to each individual but what i'll say that i learned is and this is not even just talking about mental health um you know, check-ins, battles, what have you. Uh, but we're, we all go through very similar stuff. We, we, we're all living very similar. We're all trying to, you know, maintain a certain lifestyle that allows for us to do certain things and maybe try to, you know, make steps forward with that while we're maintaining relationships and existing in a world that may or may not make it more difficult for us as we navigate through it. We're all living the same lives. And as we talk about different elements of those lives, um, we see just truly how similar they, they can be and can look and can sound. And so when it comes to mental health, um, in my experience, it's been shared to your personal, um, you know, your personal um, comfort. Um, but don't be afraid to share because sometimes someone else needs to hear it. Like, I'll tell you, I I, I talked to somebody on staff uh, at Boy State this week and we went through very similar things uh, in, in, a, in a, real, a fairly similar time frame. And when he told me um, 
that he had gone through it and he was just sharing and I really appreciate that he was just sharing with me uh, but when he just like kind of just let in with it like my heart sunk because I knew exactly what he was talking because I had just lived it um, and so then we, we kind of talked about that and I, while I, I wouldn't wish what we had gone through on anybody I'm glad to know that there was somebody that I already had a relationship with that I, I can now know it's like hey they, they had a challenge with this and so it's not just me out here floating by myself because um, if if you don't know that someone else might be um, swimming in you know troubled waters in their own little pond um, or what will feel like the whole ocean um, it can get pretty lonely so it's 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 a personal thing but I'm I'm an advocate of sharing and talking about it do you feel that um, your mental health and, and getting it and I don't want to say getting it right but maybe focusing on it uh, throughout the the COVID-19 lockdown uh, has prepared you in some way uh, for you know kind of life after your 20s kind of like that next phase of your professional <laughs> life kind of yeah. like what, whatever that yeah. may be I think everyone's sort of thinking that their 20s oh, transitions into something else but it doesn't really oh, it doesn't. <laughs> you're just an older version of that just, yeah. yeah but but do you feel that that in some way has kind of reshaped a path at all uh, here's what I'll say is that uh, I feel like getting older just means you listen to your body more <laughs> right? My knee hurts. <laughs> you know what? I am a little lightheaded. I should stop. You know, it's like, it's stuff like that. that I stood up too quick. <laughs> <laughs> when, like, I know younger Zach would have been like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I, uh, after my knee surgeries, like, I was like, just like hitting the gym, um, just playing basketball until I would come home and get so um, sick where I'd be physically uh, sick. Um, and then I'd, lay there for a little bit get some food bounce back and I was good yeah. you know what I mean I, can, know, I, think I wouldn't that, do that, that post, to myself now uh, I wouldn't do that to Zach post, now post uh, knee surgery Zach <laughs> actually provided I think one of the, the best burns I've ever heard live uh, in my life it was at the Missouri Boys State Governor's Cup and oh, you you put on a <laughs> put on a knee brace and a citizen called out from the crowd <laughs> said nice layup copper fit <laughs> I swear to God, I like could not stop laughing for the better part of like two minutes. I was like, he just called you copper fit. And that's when I knew I was old. Because uh, I thought, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not that much older than these kids. No, that's when I knew I was officially you know, I'm old. I'm officially older than I'm officially older. Um, boy. But no, no, I wouldn't say that it's, it is definitely, it's made me like a, it's not made me a better version of me. It made me, um, that's what I said about, um, you know, that, that year is just like figuring out, um, figuring out like what I'm okay. Well, what versions of myself do I want to be better? How do I want to be better? Who do I want to be? And a lot of that, you know, when I came, when I left Columbia to come back home to Kansas city, I, I had already been working on giving myself, I had a four year plan of getting myself physically, mentally, and, um, uh, financially together. Right. And, um, you know, so I could be ready for that, whatever that next challenge is. And I realize those are things that are just nonstop, right? We're going to always have to work on that. And so for me, that latest challenge just so happened to be that mental piece. Um, and so it's definitely, I think, set me, I'm not working against myself, if, that, if that's what I'm saying. Like I can, I can really get in flow and, and channel well. So Zach, uh, what's your favorite Casey memory? Man... So there's a lot of memories from childhood that's like I didn't realize were Kansas City until I got older. That was so 
like just regional but i will say one that that is like probably widely recognizable is being a kid like say like the tigers come to town no one's in Kaufman <laughs> and uh, a you know foul balls going down the first baseline and, and you're just running to get running to get that you show up in the Cub Scout uniform you get it for free right right <laughs> you know cause somebody thought it was funny but no like seriously I love like and that's what I tell people now is like my favorite place to be in Kansas City on a summer evening is Kaufman no questions asked I, so it's great what was the the World Series run uh, in back to back years like for you what was that it was really, it was, that's when I knew I needed to get home, right? Because I was still, so Jeff City. still in Jeff City at the time. No, I was here. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to watch the games not from Kansas City. So I came back and I watched the games here with people. Um, it's, it was it was great to see, you know, my city, my home on the stage and really showing up um, with, some, with some respect too, right? So... So should uh, gosh, it was it's twenty fourteen fifteen or thirteen fourteen? Uh, I'm sorry, I always. I think it was thirteen fourteen. But if we're wrong, I'm gonna cut this. So. Right. But I always get confused because didn't we like host the All Star Game in like twenty yeah. before? Then it was yeah. like then the next. So yeah. it's like three years in a row that I felt like we were just kind of in it for yeah. a little bit. But I think it was thirteen fourteen. Um, but I I remember very distinctly being in. Uh, Iowa City for uh, uh, the Giants series mm. uh, and and just wanting him to get waved home. It was Alex Gordon, right? Mm-hmm. Was it not? Yeah. And just thinking like, okay, so like if he gets hosed to the plate, like he gets hosed to the plate, like they're, they're World Series champions. And, and I remember like for the first time in my life being like, because I, I was, I'm from Kansas City. I was you know, born and raised here until I was young, and then I moved away and lived in a small town in Missouri. But 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 like Kansas City was always the adopted big city hometown. Like cheered for the Chiefs, and the Royals were always so miserable. So if you're yeah, from and the best Kansas of ways. City, if you didn't live in Kansas City, if you didn't go, you had no reason to be a fan. You wouldn't have been a fan. Like so, there's so many Kansas Cityans that like were from the area. That, the Sweeney like, days? Are you kidding me? Yeah, oh God, <laughs> this this he was like a 340 hitter on the worst great. team. It was great. Like, he, like we won like forty games, and he was like, he was, he was the man. He was the man. <laughs> Just the single. Speak ill game. of him not. Was he a first baseman? Yeah. D- did he DH? Oh uh, man, as a kid, I didn't pay that much attention. I don't remember, but he was definitely a first definitely baseman. A first baseman. Yeah. Yeah. Did he have a brother? Is there like a Mark Sweeney? Maybe. Um. Is there a, the batting Sweeney's? Maybe we could. The look batting the Sweeney's. The batting Sweeney's. That sounds like, like really a- bad. TV show. <laughs> the batting swings. Okay, so uh, Casey Baseball, uh, not a huge soccer guy. Did, did any sporting memories? It wasn't It wasn't until I went, so I was really fortunate, and this is probably what really changed my life, honestly, is um, it wasn't until I had an opportunity to study abroad in Mexico one summer uh, going into my eighth grade year. Uh, then I did it again going into my freshman year. Um, but we, when I was down there, my family would get together. Like, we would get together, you know, for Chiefs games to watch. You know, just, really just to get together. But soccer games, football games would be on. And I would be watching these games of talented people playing soccer for the first time. And I was like, oh, 
This is what this is all about. This is what this is all about. So I have an appreciation for soccer. Um, I never went to any Wizards. To my memory, I don't remember going into any Wizards games. But, it, you know, looking back, that they had some sweet jerseys. <laughs> like, Dude. And they had some dope the jerseys. Wizards jerseys. They were so they cool. They so clutch. It's yeah. just like, man, I, I really hope that sporting does some Wizards. I thought like, they had, but maybe, maybe it was sports. just, I maybe thought they, they had. Uh, but I do, I do love, I do that. really enjoy, they got you. They, they'd be dumb not to. I really enjoy going out to the field, though. Uh, it's a beautiful stadium. It really is. I'm disappointed that it's not in the state of Missouri, but we'll, we'll get past that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, just a beautiful stadium. Isn't it funny now, now they have to do, like, the, like, it's like a gratuitous attempt at making it, like, one one team, two states. It's, like, one of their motto now. Yeah. Yeah, I could go. Roll, right? I could go on a on a rant that I will eventually cut. So I'll just save us both the time. You're just not gonna go. On, I'm just on not. The rant. Yeah. I, I think I was trying to bait the rant a little bit because I've heard this. <laughs> but but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. We'll, yeah. we'll we'll save it for the the cutting room floor. Even if you wanted to, like just jump into it anytime Man. because it obviously would be really cool uh, to have Sporting KC have you know I mean it's just so far away. I mean that's the only thing that it's just so far away. And he continues to try to get. I, it's not, just, it is. It's just, as, it's in Kansas. Which, sir, sir, this is a season finale. I am now a season podcaster. You buying, I'm not taking you, the bait. I'm not taking spending, the bait. Are you spending money in Kansas, Zach? <laughs> I need to get to, This is brass tax now. It came up organically. Are you spending money in Kansas? <laughs> it did not. You just brought it up. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, background background is that um, there was a proposed economic ceasefire about these um, headquarters jumping back and forth and getting tax incentive dollars from the state of Kansas and the state of Missouri Um, and uh, my understanding of the situation and looking back on the situation um, Missouri had their part of their agreement and the state of Kansas um, and their governor at the time did not um, want to join the state of Missouri on that table at that table and do their agreement um, there, there was also a bit of feeling that I would have liked for the sporting to stay in Missouri so I obviously having gone to Mizzou which we can talk about the history on another podcast I understand is problematic I know what the history of Tigers and Jayhawks are but following the rivalry between universities and states I decided that I would not spend money in Kansas. Now, here's what I will say. It's okay my, to align to your alma mater. My, here's what I will say is that my my time at the um, Greater Kansas City Chamber, um, while I was there, I'm not saying I had a significant role in this, um, but just you know being a part of, of the team there, um, you know the Missouri and Kansas did sign an economic ceasefire. Um, and uh, so I have since resumed uh, spending money in the state of Kansas. Is there a place on the Kansas side of the greater metro area that you enjoy eating at? No. <laughs> It's such a perfect answer. <laughs> so such an eloquently political response to tax incentives, but I love it. So you're still like not like going out of your ways to like you know get Oklahoma Joe's. 
Uh, it's, it's not. You're gonna Kansas, stop it's at not Kansas City barbecue. You're gonna stop at other barbecue. I will stop at other barbecue. I will say I've had good barbecue in Kansas City, Kansas. Um, but where were we going with this though? So uh, I forgot what the question so, was. So I was trying to go favorite Casey memory. Yeah, yeah. Ramble a little bit. Favorite Casey memory, you know, really was was being a kid and uh and going and I don't know why it was always Detroit games I feel like it was always against the Tigers that I that we were there maybe it's because of the cheap days but yeah like we didn't go all the time but when we went we we had to lose at the Tigers what place I, I guess what place outside of Kansas City makes you feel like Kansas City I don't know I don't know how to have an answer to that um if anything, I could think of a few places that I feel like Kansas City could be or get close to. But, you know, I, I feel like Denver and Indianapolis, they all feel like Midwest cities. They feel similar to Kansas City, right? Um, they have like a small density city cluster. And then it's a, really, by and large, just a broader metro area. So in vibe, in just like Midwestern cities, those two cities feel similar to Kansas City. And a lot of them, too, layout, right? Like, we didn't get too creative in the Midwest when we created some of these cities. Um, so I love what Slide... I've heard Slide James say this on multiple occasions, but that Kansas City is the furthest... Uh, East Western city and St. Louis is the furthest West Eastern city and and I, it's it was just so prescient so it was like it's so accurate yeah like if you're you're familiar with St. Louis and you're familiar with Kansas City like St. Louis feels Eastern somehow it feels like like a Rust Belt city mm-hmm. a little bit but also like 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 I've been to Memphis and it feels kind of like Memphis and Pittsburgh and yeah and a little bit like Indianapolis and like the Ohio River Valley it all kind of feels the same whereas Kansas City just doesn't feel like that it feels much more open a little bit more prairie style it, it does uh, and it's a good mix it's definitely right out layout too you yeah know, the, the grid base it's a great it's a great mix and that's what I do love about Kansas City I, I wish um, you know we would uh, really this whole region we would understand um, where we want to be and who we are uh, and the gap in between those and what, what we need to do to get there I think sometimes we swing for the fences um, and, um, and without doing some of the hard work um, to, to really sustain some of that growth right some of the places you know some of the places that we oftentimes compare ourselves to um, those metro areas in particular um they might have seen incredible growth, but they're they're experiencing some unforeseen, you know, traffic issues, housing issues, things like that, transportation issues. Um, that how can Kansas City grow then while uh, keeping an eye out for the inequities and inequalities that come with that kind of unchecked development? Because I think you know there there are cities that I'm thinking of that that have had some unchecked development that have led to like really lasting issues with inequality yeah and, and I, I mean kansas city is is a byproduct of a lot of that of yeah, course yeah but it's yeah not so what's uh, the future look like in terms of that development in kansas city with regards to equity of access and inequality? Uh, again i go back to uh increased intentionality look i can't sit here and tell you that i'm going to be the best person blah 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 right I can tell you that my intention intentions are to be the best version of myself and the best quality human that I can be as I engage with other human beings. I think when we look at our policies and how we derive the management of our collective good, I think the the best thing that we can um, start with just as a floor 
is uh, hyper intentionality uh, on 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 equity, uh, equity across um, well just about everything that we do, and it's not so much, you know, we want to do this because we want to save money, we want to do this because we want to, um, you know, spend more money or what have you. It's more just a sense of what are we doing, why are we doing it, and what are our outcomes. If we can keep all those things in focus, and we can then make more informed decisions, right? Instead of just throwing money at, uh, you know, and really oftentimes what this looks like in terms of quote unquote throwing money is uh, tax abatements and things like that. Uh, you know, I, there, there's a very, there's a great example of what um, tax abatements uh, might not look like hopefully moving forward um that we've seen down just downtown alone um and so it's and some of those decisions on on that project and so uh look i'm not here to sit here and judge decisions that have been made i'm actually judging decisions that we can make right and that's what i'm when we talk about what is this moment what is us i'm judging those decisions that we can make because these decisions that we've seen even up as recent as last week or what have you have not created this outcome that we have all agreed that we wanted um, or at least a version of that we don't feel like we're getting out what our taxes are putting in right um, so what can we then do what are we looking forward to doing I think if we're intentionally looking at equity when before we were just moving through thinking that we would have equity without any sort of parameters or any just guideposts to say hey this is how we're doing um, that's that's a very easy floor for us just to start with and then everything you know I do love with our transportation areas um, we're having folks talk about uh, what does development along transportation look like um, should that be how affordable housing um, and so what what does that mean in terms of shared development and there's a lot of things that we can kind of dive into and but that just requires bringing a lot of people to the table and really saying hey this is our 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 outcomes with what we're doing currently, this is our outcome that we want to get to. How can we collectively create this intentional, um, inc- intentionally inclusive uh, space? So, uh, you know, and I don't want to say like with a magic wand because there's there's obviously a lot of stakeholders that you have to manage through this process. And, and I actually kind of want you to maybe think about who those stakeholders would be. But um, what in a hypothetical uh, place where uh, you have the the direct access to, to impact this type of decision making. Uh, what project would you be most passionate about pursuing? Transportation in Jackson County. Transportation. Transportation. Why? Uh, why do you feel like transportation is is uh, so, so? So tell me more about why a you want transportation to be kind of a keystone of what you focus on, and, and b why that's something that this Jackson County stakeholders should care about? Um, well, coming from Jeff City, so the last two years I was there when I was chief of staff, uh, Holzman got on the budget. A lot of work. <laughs> Looking at the state budget, so it's, it's a lot of work. But I came out of that experience looking at transportation as like, all right, so like bridges, roads, dollars, amount, X, Y, Z, FTEs. And um, 
I came to the chamber, um, and one of their big five, you know, uh, initiatives was transportation. So we had a bunch of people in the uh, transportation uh, space in business get together and try to, you know, figure out ways that the re- you know what the region needed to be better, and I actually kind of broadened my understanding of what transportation could be used for. It wasn't simply roads. It wasn't simply bridges. It wasn't simply buses. And even now, getting out of that space um, and, you know, just looking at it, transportation can transportation can move people. And when I say people are paramount, um, not just their well-being, but what they're able to accomplish in their life. Right. Um, You know, they're also the lifeblood of any society. Right. Like if you think of any nation, talk about their population um, and their workforce and what they're able to do. People make up, you know, I think of uh, what is it? The flubal cranks um, (laughs) on Rick and Morty, right, where people they power everything. But the more people that we have and the more people, the more people that we have engaged in the society, the more powerful this collective society is. Right. So uh, transportation is what we need to get to uh, work, what we need to get uh, the things we need to live, like food, um, to get to go, you know, enjoy our, our lives if we have that leisure and to see each other. Uh, I, we we greatly undervalue transportation. And when transportation lines are created, um, that creates economic opportunity because that almost ensures that people are going to be going through there. And this would, like, I think, reface how Jackson County... Missouri experiences transportation presently. It's mostly, mm-hmm. you know, through through bus lines, mostly through through vehicles, right? You get in your car. Yeah, you get yeah. in your car and you go somewhere. But I mean, twenty minute drive anywhere, are, right? You know, I think few and far between. So, you know, a a project of this scope, right? Which has, I think, a lot of public interest. Um, you know, but there's obviously a lot of you know stakeholders to manage. So, so why do you feel like? Um, you know, you'd be able to, to you know, to kind of overcome some of that because, you know, the I think the resistance to, to this is obviously money, right? It, it's all very, very, very expensive. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know as a Jackson County resident, we need it. But I also know as a Jackson County resident that there's a lot of resistance when things go on the ballot for the people to decide. Sure. You know, if there's going to be sure. a tax increase or not. So yeah, no. I, I mean, you know, how, do you feel like that's a feasible goal? Sure. I think that's lazy policy making. At the end of the day, right? When folks are like, "Well, we got to raise this tax so we can do this," it's lazy. I just think that's lazy policy making. At the end of the day, you might need to raise taxes to raise revenues to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Um, but you say the money's there. I'm not suggesting that the money's there. No. I, what I'm suggesting is that your answer can't simply be, well, if you want this, we need X amount of dollars. There's no work. There's no work that's been put into it except for figuring out how much money it would cost to do X, Y, or Z. I think alternatively, um, what, what I had not seen at the different levels that I've been at uh, engaging with policymaking in the area is... Um, everybody coming to the table and that without trying to recreate the wheel. There's a lot of uh, interest groups, uh, nonprofits and uh, entities that might convene a small group of folks or a larger group of folks about this issue of transportation or maybe a specific area. But here's what we have to realize is that we're all trying to work in the same direction. 
Um, so let's all put our work together to see how we can lighten this load collectively. It's not on you know the government to simply just pay for you know roads and bridges without any engagement with the local uh with the local entities as well um i i don't i think you know the way that looking at the Kansas City streetcar how it's been funded the federal government has been like yeah you guys need skin you need skin in the game we want to see that your local municipalities are um are invested in this and so that's why we, you got you see that there were commitments from the city um for the streetcar as well and this uh, extension and so there are things that have worked um for other things that we can look much broadly at but uh, you apply much broader um but w- we can't just simply say like hey we want to do this shiny thing over here and it's going to cost us money we we got to go engage uh, with these existing organizations, because look at the end of the day, KCATA exists, right? KCATA, the Kansas City Area Trans, the KC Area Transportation Authority is a bi-state organization, right? And it works account across county lines, across state lines. Um, so to simply try to walk into an area of transportation and try to say, well, we're going to do this uh, when there's already a structure uh, that you can work with. Um, mm-hmm. would save not just money but a lot of time and also maybe you can get some better outcomes as well so the government can't be like the perfect per- like entity to do everything right it needs to engage with these with these other entities so so uh, this is Jackson County priorities obviously these are these things you think about in terms of you know a Jackson County focus uh, what would be like a, a, a kind of a large national policy you know, not with the magic wand, but if you could somehow manage this process, uh, if, if you on, on the national level could manage a process that would kind of incorporate stakeholders, what, what policy would you be most passionate on a national level? So, I mean, I understand, you know, you have this, this passion for, no, for transportation. No, I, I do. But um, what, what about your kind of the soul of your policy politics uh, would, you, would you feel most represented in if you had the opportunity to, to work on a project on a with a you know national impact. Yeah, I don't know that I need a bunch of like people like Zach helped build build that bridge. That's great. We're gonna we're gonna demolish it in twenty years and build a brand new one. It's, it's, um, it's a little niche, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's very nerdy. Um, no, I probably housing man. Um, like we like affordable access to housing. Or, or what? What's the? I, I want. I want to keep that broad. Outcome, you know. I, I want to keep that broad. I think everyone ha, um, has um, a right to housing. I think everybody has a right to access to quality housing in a in a density that um, allows them to exist. And what I mean by that, that there's access to um, food, that there's access to services, um, and there's access to transportation. Sorry, I had to say it, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, probably if I if if I had a magic wand, it would be housing. I we can fix we can fix so many um, individual um, financial um, psychological um, challenges by there being access to to quality housing. Um, in, in a place that folks can can truly get what they need to exist. All right, so. I'm going to, because we're not going to rounding close to time, but I feel like I want to... I've been rambling way too much. No, no, I don't, I don't feel by any means. Uh, it's not been a ramble. I feel like I, I want to 
tighten it up with some some really rapid fire questions. I'm gonna All call right. this the top three segment. Okay. Top three. Top three. Top three. Top three. Top three. Top three. <laughs> All right. So, but you're gonna give you thirty seconds, and you gotta give me your top three. Okay. Okay. All right. NBA basketball players all time. Shaq. Well, and and we'll, we'll, I'm going to stipulate that this has to go in like descending order, like three, two, one. Three, two, one. Oh, oh. Um, and no, 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 no particular orders. I don't like that. You have to, you have to make decisions on the show. So, so my least favorite to my favorite. Well, not least favorite. It's your third favorite of all time. Right, right, right. And right. I, I, I want to. Okay, so I'm going to tighten up this question. How about that? Okay. Who is the greatest basketball player in the NBA of all time? Three, two, and one. Oh, the hell with you. Um, oh, God, I hate you. Um, so I think it's... Damn it, I hate this so much. I've never, I've never given this answer before. I don't you like got, to give this answer. Right now, I do. Okay. All right. All right. So I, I, I would say not making my list. He's not making my top three. But you said favorite. <laughs> I love, I love the Diesel. Um, but uh, yes, no, no. Uh, okay. It wouldn't exist right now. Oh my goodness, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do this, John. You asked me one thing. We're not gonna debate <laughs> another. Okay. He'd still be a great basketball player. John, we're not, we're not. Oh my God, when he got to the Magic, you're gonna tell me he hit that Penny Shaq, that Shaq would do well he was bringing the ball up the court as a rookie I mean, big he was, man he was running the ball up the court with no one in front of him he I looked mean, like a gazelle I, I i've seen that i've seen the clip too i mean look nick anderson and those orlando magic teams with penny hardaway and shaquille Neal. that was just it was a, it was know, magic it was great it was magic john have say it 30 for 30 say it have you seen from 30 say for 30 it. on that the team that's a good one it. it was magic it's one of my favorite 30 for 30s actually. It's a good 30 for 30. Because Penny Hardaway was one of my favorite players. Yeah. I feel like uh, I Michael Jordan was still by far and away like the greatest living basketball player yeah. when I was a kid. But like if you were young and you wanted to like find your like other favorite player, like Penny Hardaway was, Penny was like, that guy. You could be like like you could kind of cheer for Penny yeah. uh, and the Magic. And I think Penny was like featured in like the a Dream Team ad for like McDonald's or something. Could have been. I felt like Penny yeah. Hardaway and USA Basketball was a thing yeah. like at a McDonald's location so I had like a Penny Hardaway basketball. That's dope. So what I'll say is um, I'm going to say uh, Yeah, I gave you plenty of time to stall. You really did. It's not Penny Hardaway either. I'm going to say LeBron James, Bill Russell, Michael Jordan. Oh man, I don't like the Bill Russell thing in there. I just, I, I feel like that's I disagree. Uh, so dominant. On both ends of the court. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the kind of both ends of the court thing. I mean, just the. And look, I love like I. That's the other thing is is like defense. You're gonna get my respect. So here's here's what I'd say to that. Because like, you want to expand it to number four, because then I'll say that, Wilt. I'll, here's the thing of what I'd say though is that like Hakeem Olajuwon goes back to 1965 and he puts up those numbers as well. I think actually probably more prolifically because like. What about, what, what about Kareem? What about Kareem too? Right. So that's why I don't like but, this. But, I don't like this question. But like, right. But Kareem wasn't necessarily contemporary to Russell. Like I think, Russell was. I think, did they play each other? Like I think for they the overlapped. Belt, yeah. They, they may have overlapped a little bit, but I, I still think it's like not the same. Yeah, John, don't ask me for my answers when right. telling me that they that they don't. All work. right. Okay. I I see my top three are you know uh, LeBron, Kobe, Michael. 
It's, that's a great top three. And and that's it's a tight top three. It's a hard to put it. It's, a, it's, it's a, I don't think there's a wrong answer. And you, so you want LeBron, Bill, Michael. Yeah. Okay. I, In that I, order. I, okay. I'll, I think that's like a you're totally t- attracted to old heads. It's like an old yeah. head answer. Like I, old heads, you're like I make sure bills on the way. You gotta make sure bills on. The, you gotta put your respect on that man. Like this game, this game is all Have you about. Seen Bill Russell's posting <laughs> himself. It's, it's just like yeah, man. Okay, we'll put him on the list. All right, top three uh, uh, vacations you've ever been on. I haven't really vacationed. Um, too often, to be honest with you, that's a new development with uh, being pr- somebody with a job and yeah, no yeah, kids. Yeah. Okay, and how about like top three places outside of your hometown that you visited? Oh man, loved Manzanillo, life. Mexico. That's the city um, on the Pacific coast that I did my study abroad with. Is that number three? That's just, oh, I'm sorry. Are you putting that right at the top? Ah, damn, that's at the top. That's at the top. That's at the one. top. I love it. Um, that's if I have a moment to uh, buy a home uh, abroad, that's the first first place oh, I'm looking. Yeah. First yeah, place I'd I'm love looking. To do that. That's like a retirement dream. Right? Yeah. Find find some place and like yeah. Mexico. I love Mexico. It's I think a beautiful. beautiful. Place to I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, and you really got to experience it. It was, like, oh my resource. goodness. It was, yeah, it was like not touristy at all. It was, we lived downtown. It was, uh, I miss my family if you're listening. Love you. Uh, but, so that would be number one. The, the other places I would say is I love uh, the Netherlands. Um, I, though I really loved that colonizing, I mean, uh, that state, um, uh, the place. <laughs> Um, man, history's really tricky, right? Um, they have nice flowers, Zach. They have nice, nice tulips. Tiptoe through the tulips. Um, and then the next one would probably be, um, I love LA. Yeah. I'm, I'm an LA guy. I, I, I'm, I'm a big LA guy. I can I, Chicago? It's okay. Yeah. I mean, I like it. Yeah, it's I cool. Like trying, I, I like the transportation situation. I wasn't trying to sneak it into your top three. I, I don't like Chicago, and and like I wanted to actually talk about like I don't like. You want to talk hate, about how much you don't like it? No, I don't hate big cities. Uh-huh. I just don't like Chicago because I like <laughs> LA, and that's what I learned about Chicago. Is like I saw everything in context. I thought like, oh, it's all the people. No, it's Chicago. And I, I feel like <laughs> what I'm is the most Chicago? Why do you say it like that? I feel like what I only go it? in the winter time. It's cold. Like, it's, don't it's you cold. don't even go in the summer. Go in the spring or the fall, shoulders. right? City of broad shoulders. Everyone just seems very angry. All, all the farm boys make it to the big city. And... <laughs> I don't know. It just seems seems like everyone's just kind of in a hurry to get everywhere all the time. But LA also feels that way. It's just it's just more expansive and sprawling. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> I know LA has its own its own unique challenges. But as somebody that doesn't live there, that's been there just a handful of times, love to visit. Yeah, love to visit. It's hard to hate. Yeah, LA's got that joie de vie. You know, it's just something about being in LA. It's, it's, it's got a little bit of everything. Live and die in LA. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, top three. Um, uh, things you want to accomplish in the next uh, uh, four years. So the reason I say four years is because we're in, in 2021. 2025, I feel like it's like a That's you know a, a big one, big landmark oh. for a lot of people. You're like a quarter of the way into the century, you know. So what's what's the next four years look like for for Zach? What are the yeah. top three things you want to accomplish? Just old yeller me, man. Just I know, old, right? Man. You'll be thirty. Ugh. You're gonna turn thirty in these next four years. Yes, yes. You'll turn thirty. One. I'll be thirty-two at the end of these yeah, four years. Yeah, so right? what's 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 going to be accomplished? What's the top three? Uh 
so uh, but this is these are all very personal. Uh, but I hope to buy a home. I hope to be married, and I hope to um, have won an election. These are all really amazing things. Big goals. Um, I'm not going to ask you to rank them. <laughs> yes. I feel like yes. if I feel like if I ask you to rank them, there's a correct there's... answer at dinner parties. <laughs> Zach, I want you to know that if if your your soon to be fiance is listening, there is a correct order to put all these. Yeah. But uh, I will say, um, I want you to talk about the the election one first. Okay. The other ones, the other ones are personal. House and a I love house that. and marriage. House and marriage are uh, big things. I, I, didn't think I, I didn't think I was ready. Yeah, I was about to say I'm sitting here looking at you who's just done both of those. Yeah. Uh, I lot. never never thought that I'd be ready to to do either of those things. The right woman makes it feel right, right? Or having the right having the right person, having the right partner really um, changes it all. Um, yeah, I just am ready to um, stop throwing my money in the trash and giving it to somebody else for a place for me to sleep. So if I'm going to do that, let me, I, I think it'd be smart for me to own it. So I look for, yeah, yeah, it's called rent. Uh, I'm already paying that. Uh, but uh, I'll just put it into my like, put this for later. I don't even know what that metaphor goes to, but uh, yeah, so I would love to do both of those things. Feel very old getting, getting to a place where that seems like a realistic um, goal uh, direction, but the the election piece is. Um, what do you want to run for? Uh, Jackson County Legislature. And 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 why do you feel like you're the right person for the right time? Because that's what I always feel like. Every election, you have to ask. Every person should ask that that question and be able to answer it. Why me? Why now? And what do I bring to the job? Look, what I'm seeing right now. Uh, if you look back on what people understand about Jackson County government, um, there's been people do, that have been on trial and or gone to jail, right? That's been the MO. Um, I'm not saying that's everybody, but that's what is widely reported on on, on newspapers, and it's not wrong. I mean, that's so there's does, been some impropriety. Does the legislature need integrity? So, so what, what, what we're looking at now is um, an opportunity for the legislature to have, um, you know, new people. Um, um, and when I talked about this moment right now, how that we're in this, this coming out of COVID moment is we could have new people on the legislature that want to, um, instead of maintain a status quo, um, exceed what we know. And that's, uh, you know, there's um, a current legislator legislator that I had on my show who was kind of in that vein already. I'm like, let's expand what we know. Let's do better than what we've done. Let's, you know, be more intentional, thoughtful and strategic about our outcomes. Um, he, he, he's there, but you can't change a nine person legislature. Uh, you can't change the outcomes of that if there's not a, a majority. Um, and so I, I want to run to be hopefully a part of that majority or at least to push um, conversation and consideration so that we have better outcomes on a county level. Now, your question about why do I think I'm right for this moment is really just goes back to everything that I've uh, I've done to this moment career-wise, right? Working in uh, the state legislature, uh, working with the state budget and issues that are coming before the state legislature on behalf of and working with a state senator, uh, taking time to 
work with uh, local uh, and statewide labor organizations against right to work on the ballot, uh, which the efforts were, were you know, handedly successful. Going to um, work for a chamber and understanding how advocacy groups and, and groups like chambers, how they fit in this whole policy making process, and then finally being with um, a public utility and understanding their services. My whole path has allowed me to see different avenues and perspectives on this process. And uh, it's allowed me to do that across this county, not just in Kansas City. So that's why I'll be running for uh, the at-large seat, uh, the second at-large, therefore, uh, Jackson County Legislature. This election would be in? 2022. August would be the primary. August would be the primary in yeah. 2022. So this is a I think I don't know not, I don't want to say newsworthy moment but but I think uh, it's a, a it's monster. definitely not no one's listening to this no podcast. one's listening no yeah one's no one's listening. listening no one no one at all but I will say it's it's a milestone in terms of uh, uh, I think the moment for you so uh, uh, what does it mean for you to have I think gone through quite I think for your age and your experience pretty rapid acceleration at this point you know you know most people aren't running for elected office before age 30 so what does that awareness of that kind of I don't want to say wonder kid because that's not who you are and that's not what you represent but that kind of accelerated development in your career what awareness do you bring uh, to how that might affect what you can do and what you know you want to be capable of once you are elected, you know, because I, I, what what I would see is um, that you could accomplish a great deal. You could bring a lot of energy. You could bring a lot of fresh perspective. But you know, you know, the gears move slowly in local government, and there might be some like, oh, hey, young fella, like, what do you feel is the advantages or disadvantages to? I don't want to say even your youth, but like, you know, your experience and you kind of the phase of your life that you're in. Because I feel like so many young people in government would do well if they just didn't have the resistance of so many older, more entrenched people in government kind of resisting that, you know, energy for change is what I would say. So what do you anticipate being, you know, the possible opportunities and obstacles being such a young person elected? So, so that I, I go back to being like the youngest person in the room, right? And being the youngest person in my family. Being the youngest person in the room, being the youngest person in my family, I just know, I don't know everything. Um, and that's why when you asked me my, my favorite relationship in Jeff City, it was with, with Don. We had a moment there at work one day where I was like, I'm seeing X. And I'm seeing the path forward from X. And it's not Y. It's not like they're not going to get there. Am I wrong? What am I missing? And I offered a solution to what I thought that they, they were, if they were trying to do this, what they would. And I said, am I missing something? And Don said to me, you got it all. You don't, you're not missing anything. And... From that moment on, I think that's when Don and I really kind of clicked and uh, understanding is like, all right, so he's seeing what's kind of moving around him. Um, and so he kind of be like that mentor kind of a person. That's how I enter every situation. Right. I, I have to assume that I'm I'm not seeing everything and there's no no way that I ever will. And I think that's um, what we can 
And I hope that I don't become this in whatever facet of my life as I do get older. Um, we, we can find ourselves like I know how this goes. I know what we're doing so on and so forth. So as we get older, we can become a little bit like in, in stuck in a, what we know to be Pat. And this is what we do. Actually, Jalen talked about on my podcast about how like some of the meetings that they came into were like 30 minutes to an hour. And that's it. And they had a bunch of work to do. Like, All right, great. We're done. And it's like, wait. We got a lot to do. Like, oh, well, we hit our hour mark. Well, just because that status quo doesn't mean that it's how it needs to go moving forward. So uh, I just try to humble myself to learn as much as I can from people that's been there and done that. Because, I, again, I don't know everything. On the flip side, um, I'm willing to kind of like I think I think of policymaking as like some art form with a dash of science you need to know what kind of like cooking right you need to know what's going to happen when you put an acid with a fat um but um at the same time you can get creative with it and i think we've lost a little bit little bit of knowledge and creativity with how we can do government um and that's what i that's what i hope to kind of like be a part of is like bring that bring that creativity that has the outcomes of an inclusivity and in an equitable um you know e- equitable uh, advancement and development throughout our our community how uh, developed is your campaign right now what do you feel like? in the very beginning man I, we're in the very beginning so I, i've done a lot of this stuff myself um in various ways right um different campaigns and so um i know exactly the people i need to call i've made some of those phone calls and um, we're getting going and you know while this is like an informal hey i'm running uh, there there'll be a formal you know launch it you know the type looks right so on and so forth I and so um, the team is loose but it, they've been communicated with and so it's it's uh, we're about to execute on at least the beginning parts of this launch strategy do you feel like uh, whatever the outcome uh, this will be um, kind of a pivot point for for you you know I mean because you, you have to enter I think every election with I mean, you either, I think, if people, I think, do go into elected office, they either go into every election with the understanding that two outcomes can happen. I can be elected or I can't. And all, like, the web of things that can happen after yeah. that. Do you feel like um, serving the people of Jackson County, serving the community will always be something that you'll want to do, even if this election doesn't go the way, you know, you, you obviously want you obviously want to win? But, you know, if do you feel like there this is... The election itself, running a campaign, is important, or or is this something you really want to win and you want to start serving right now? Look, man, I have been a part of I've been serving the community, um, and uh, with the different organizations that I'm a part of, um, you know I, I'm even on the citizen uh, board for the streetcars downtown transportation uh, what's actually Main Street Transportation Development District I've when I got back home uh, I knew that simply saying where I work in politics wasn't enough for me to be involved with the community so I found other ways for me to do that um, and so if, if I don't win, um, you know, I don't know. That's the great thing. My life doesn't change. Right. I continue doing all the things that I, I'm doing today minus uh, extra work. If I if I win, then I get to you know, do the 
the the fun part, which is the governance. I mean, everyone focuses on the politics and the races, and that can be very engaging and borderline entertaining. But I think the fun part is getting in there and being like, "Hey, did you did you see the state statute that allows us to do X, Y, and Z? We should do X, Y, and Z." You know, getting real wonky and nerdy with it, where uh, we take that time to to dive into state statute, uh, county uh, ordinances, and saying, "Let's change this," and I bet we can get a much better outcome while we're building that. Like that's what I want to get to. So if if I don't win, uh, you know, I don't win. Uh, it's not like I I lose and then uh, the state takes all my property and I go and I serve <laughs> in the in the labor camps and uh, so yeah, nothing changes. I'm still going to be in involved. As I as I am now. All right, so you have a segment at the end of your show. Uh, I digress. Uh, so give me kind of some of your favorite I digress uh, moments or, or or segments. Do you do you feel like you have one? Man, man, that's been that's been actually really fun. So w- one of them was. Um, I've learned a lot. That's the thing about them. I've learned so much in trying to deliver like a thoughtful monologue. So one of them was uh, talking about Amend, the fight uh, for America. It's a documentary on Netflix and really just talked about the perfection of the uh, 14th Amendment, the fight for and then the perfection uh, the perfection therein afterwards. So I learned a lot. I had to do a lot of like learning. Um, it has been fun to kind of write that out. I kind of started talking about Larry Wilmore, who uh, is an executive producer on that piece. But I didn't realize as I was kind of looking into Larry, he's been a part of like TV shows and whatnot that I've watched since I was a kid. And I was like, oh, no wonder why I love this guy. He has a great podcast now. Um, the other one that I really, um, really enjoyed was um, talking really about. About my journey as like kind of coming into my own on my blackness, if you will, and understanding that like no one can tell me that I'm not black, or I'm not black enough, or I have to do this, or I have to do that, um, and that just like everything else, being black is not a monolith uh, that can look very differently, uh, and from di- for different people's life. Um, so those were just a few of my uh, my favorite, but I digresses, but I do them to also kind of challenge me, right? Not to just sit down and, and complain about stuff, like just to my friends, to myself, but also on this podcast to be a little bit thoughtful about like, yo, are we talking about this? Because this is, it does seem like, like there's, there's a lot of emotional resonance you have with all the topics and that, that, that it's, it's the subject that I think you probably, in my mind, probably you prep and think the most about because it's it's kind of own own subject. So, um, what do you feel like this one's gonna be about? Because it's like I really feel like I should be digressing. Um, I'm the host. Not. Nah. I don't even know if I've. Yeah, you don't. I mean, everyone didn't pong with you, but I feel like really like everyone I should be digressing. Everyone can digress. Uh, I just do it because I know that I can keep talking, and that's just kind of like my little stopping point. And like, you know what? I I digress. It's like I'm done. It's like you're <laughs> it's, it's best for you. It's, it's best for me. Uh, yeah, of the podcast. Yeah, it really, it truly is. Um, the only the only way that I feel like I can kick it off to your your own stand alone monologue segment is if you agree to have me back on. Oh wow, that's a strong arm move. I know, right? Um, I think we can have you back on. Um, 
Just like I, I feel like I could be like the the guy that's always doing research in the background of a podcast. <laughs> the guy who like just pops talk, in every once in a while, like every like you know once yeah. every three episodes. So yo, John's back. Yeah. People told me that they yeah. loved hearing he's his voice. Like yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> he's, right. he's just, just hey, yes. the guy. I'm back. Yeah. Why no, we'll definitely right? have to have you back. Yeah, yeah. No, especially whenever we'll do, we can do some live video and just like, hey, there's John. Is that the is that the next phase of it was the ESP? No, Are you no, feeling like no? You don't feel no. Like- really, what I want to do with this is to continue doing it like just like this, right? Having conversations with real people about real things, pulling the curtains back on stuff that are just kind of operating in our lives that we might not have thought about or really asked about, um, and just like giving some good conversations. What I would love to do if I'm successful is to be in my space. And there be, you know, whatever issues before, um, you know, the the electeds or the people and be able to have a conversation, put it on wax. And if you listen to it, hopefully you get something out of it. If you never listen to it, that's fine. But like, I want to at least create that access to some of these people that either you don't know exist or you don't know or you don't know how to get access to to have an, a thoughtful, in-depth conversation with. That's what I hope this is. And it doesn't always have to be about policy and governance, right? It could just be about, like I said, my conversation with Shane was just about masculinity and moving through space as a as a as a best version of you that you can be um and so uh it's not all boring but i hope that we can like going back to that conversation earlier i hope we can talk learn and maybe even uh grow from there but you digress but i digress so thank you john um it was like super cool, so yeah. I, I'd love to be back. And, and if I'm not back, we'll have you. Great in. promises. I mean, I'm cool with that too. I, I wow, it's really <laughs> laying it on heavy. Uh, I'm gonna let John go. This has been a really fun, but we're gonna get to it as we talked about. This is dumb. I digress. What a great time uh, to sit down with your friend uh, and just have them interview you and really just have, you know, moments where you just kind of get into some things that maybe you haven't thought about uh, talking about explicitly with one another. Uh, So I really appreciate John for taking the time to be the first ever guest host on ZSP. And, you know, for this, I but I digress. I, I in editing the show realized that I talked about when talking about mental health talked about the need to share to grow together um and i really share that without sharing anything um about my personal journey and um I remember in the moment just thinking, you know, let the conversation continue, to, but don't interrupt. And I kind of am glad that I did so that I could take a moment with the season finale. But I digress. Um, really, really ending with this note where I, I can pick it up uh, next season. And um, when we talk about mental health and sharing our experiences, you know, mine really centers around uh, my journey really centers around um being in, in, in denial, despair, and then finally dedication. Um, and what I mean by that is with the denial piece, it came um, when I thought, you know, I could manage the stress and strain and struggles that I was having. And those anxieties only grew uh, and took hold and they grew louder. 
and they begin to manifest themselves. And I realized that what I was saying to myself wasn't actually healthy. You know, saying things like, you're too fat, you're not enough, no one wants, you're probably going to fail. All these things were swimming in my head, but I was like, no, this is just normal doubt, self-doubt, and everything, um, I can handle this, I got this. This is, this is fine, other people have it worse. Next came despair when I found myself in a place where I couldn't manage what was going on by myself. Uh, I felt helpless. So many attempts to find somebody um, that could be helpful in my development um, here that maybe maybe I should stop looking. After all, um, this is a me thing. This is a me issues. What I was thinking to myself, and so, and so in that moment, I that moment of despair, I felt like the weight of Saturn was sitting on my soul, Uh, like. That each time that I was out with my friends, family, and I laughed or what have you, that I was almost an out-of-body experience because I could see myself putting on a great show, one I thought everyone was buying. And even after, uh, out of a space of desperation, sharing with friends and family where I was feeling, I, I, I still couldn't run away from the thought, the feeling that this struggle was my own and there was no meaningful relief or fix. As much as I thought maybe rely on folks could help, um, I found that the, the work was really with me. And I thought I was working. That goes back to the denial piece. But finally, in a moment of despair, changed everything. I mentioned dedication because really what I'm talking about is a dedication to loving who this person is. And I knew that after my moment of despair where I took a drive, I didn't know where I was going. I didn't have a destination. I just knew that I couldn't be there. My drive took me to go see mom. And I wish I could sit here and tell you that mom gave me this loving conversation, but I honestly don't remember our conversation at all. I just knew that that was a safe place to be uh, when I was at my wit's ends. And I know that coming away from visiting my mom, I know that after that conversation, I walked away feeling that it wasn't my last day. And I'm thankful to have that support in my life. I'm thankful to have medical insurance that allowed me to eventually find the right caregiver. But what I learned through all of that is that the key lies with the dedication for myself, the love for myself. That's why I talked about the pandemic, just learning how to love myself each day. Now that's that's just for me. I don't know what the key is for somebody else, but for me, it was the Mr. Rogers 143. I love you. Struggles with mental health impacts everyone, be that stress from work, anxiety over bills, or just anything really. I wish I could tell you that I don't struggle anymore. Um, And in fact, this week was a hell of a week, a rough week, one that I had to go back to what I have learned through my journey to pull myself out of that pit and keep on trucking, but also to share with the people around me and keep on loving. Each day is an improvement. And I now know when to ask for help. I now know my personal signs, but I try to remember a personal mantra that keeps me moving. 
and that is do more for others than they do for you love like each person is your brother or sister share like you know the meaning of life laugh like you've heard the funniest joke and serve as if it's your life's purpose I appreciate y'all for joining me on this journey in my first season of ZSP. But I digress. See you next season.